content warning, this podcast contains mentions of self-harm, queer death, and homophobia. All right, let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. My name is Hannah. My pronouns are they, them. Thanks again for tuning into a podcast on queer folks' favorite tunes. This is Queer Sounds. Today, I'm not entirely sure when this is even going to come out because, you know, summer is a mess and I'm recording everything in one go. Um, but, you know, breaking the fourth wall a little bit there, I'm not entirely sure if I should do it. But at this point, my catchphrase is I only pretend to know what I'm doing. But without further ado, Bahiro, welcome to the episode. Hi there. Uh, hello, Hannah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Um, for the record, what are your pronouns? Oh, okay, my bad. Uh, my name is Bahar Shoye. I am from Ethiopia. I use the pronoun he, him. All right, thank you. How are you, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm I'm very well. Like, I mean, we've been, we've been having a heat wave kind of situation here in the UK. Uh, a lot of people are complaining, I know, but uh, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm kind of, you know, enjoying the moment. Um, I'm going to just ask the most uh the, the like the, the the most basic question that's gonna pop into my head now what are uh -huh. you what are you binging these days oh my goodness uh, <laughs> i think i went back in time and then i was like watching uh will and grace a lot i don't know why uh and then i also like oh by the way like oh no 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 yesterday i was watching um why woman kill on amazon all right um because uh, like this is a conversation that we've had before about if I could call you a filmmaker or not, because you used to have like filmmaking jobs in Ethiopia, but mm -hmm. now in the UK, not anymore as much. Um, could you shine a light on that a little bit? Yeah, so I am, uh, how, how do I say this? A filmmaker somehow turned into a social justice uh, <laughs> worker. Uh, so like I used to produce film, I, I work as a producer, I work as a production manager at first, and then I did um, also assistant directing jobs when I was back home. Uh, but most of the films that we've done are like for the markets in Ethiopia. So it's made in one of the languages, which is Amharic. Uh, you can find, <laughs> you know, the productions on YouTube, but like I'm sure like there's going to be a lot of um, language barriers because I don't think they have subtitles from majority of them. But yeah, as you said, uh, since I exiled to the UK, I haven't had a chance to kind of uh, go back to telling stories, but I am doing a different thing with House of Grammarly, which I'm sure we're going to talk about a little further. Do you m miss making visual projects like that? I do. I think that's the one thing that I miss because uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, I've heard from people uh, that, that told me Mm. when they hear story they actually hear the story but for me i'm not that kind of a person when someone's telling me a story like well, all i see is pictures in my head so and then like i love sharing that you know like in terms of pictures <laughs> and then motion pictures and motion stories so like i do miss it and then i i do hope i will get back to that soon uh inshallah we'll see what's stopping you from getting back into it now what life <laughs> in general <laughs> uh, because i came here as a refugee uh i came to the uk 2016 as a refugee uh you know settling and then finishing my paper um and then adjusting to life uh starting you know everything from zero and then building up uh, i did not have much of a time to kind of uh pursue uh, and then also like i didn't even know like where to find the uh, 
artists and in the industry uh, how to be a part of it here in the UK yet. But I think I'm now on the right track. So hopefully we'll see. Looking forward to everything you're going to put out there. In the meantime, uh, so for track number one, we've got two versions. We've been going a little bit back and forth about which version it's supposed to be. Uh, do you uh, want to have the honors of introducing the track? <laughs> uh, sure. So the song that I chose for the first one is uh, by Abdoka Beda. That's the original um, artist. But for today, who we're playing is the cover artist. Uh, that is uh, Nukusu. Fucking another with Money, see I don't a track called Hadako, um, loosely translated to Dear Mother, something along yeah. those lines. Um, so why did you select this, uh, this track today? Uh, why did I select this? <laughs> Um, as a kid, um, I think this is the song that I remember my dad uh, playing a lot. Like, I mean, the whole album, but like this specific song, uh, he used to react to it in a different way. But I didn't understand uh, what the what the music is about because it's a different language from what I know. Uh, I speak Amharic, but like this song is in Oromiya, so that's one of the languages we have in Ethiopia. Um, so like I don't know, like the music. I mean, I've, even now, like, I can see it in your face, you know, like, where you're listening to the music and it's kind of, you know, like, taking you somewhere. But, like, you might not understand, but, like, the melody kind of have a different effect, <laughs> nostalgic effect. Like, like that. so that's the one I remember. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, for me as well, I mean, I've never, uh, I, I don't have the same nostalgic feelings uh, that, mm -hmm. that you get with this song. But still, like, it, the, the entire vibe just in kind of mm -hmm. invokes... That it kind of it kind of plays some 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 nineties nostalgia, right? Um, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like that's the, so that's where I go back, you know, when, whenever I listen to the, the to the music because my dad is like a very spiritual person. He doesn't listen necessarily to like you know uh, music music. Like you know, he have a few artists that he exceptionally listens to, and then this person was one of them, uh, Abdulhaq Abeda. Uh, so like that's the first thing that comes to mind and then that's why i chose it because since you know like i start living in exile you know like well the one thing that i have is you know that feeling of nostalgia you know here and there <laughs> so like this is the first music that comes to mind when i go back um thinking about my childhood what made you choose this version over the original 
I don't think I have like a specific reason for that, but I think I love the idea that like you know still uh, my age group listens to that nostalgic music and music, and then you know they went back and then doing cover for it. I think that's why I like it still, and then that's why I chose it. All right, so it isn't like this artist per se that you associate with living in Ethiopia, but it is the song and the general vibe that just kind of lines up with with that experience more even though it was the actual original version of the song that you used to listen to in your childhood home oh yeah 100 percent. Yeah, yeah yeah because you know like well then we have you know like tape cassettes <laughs> so like where he used to play like my dad used to play them on a tape cassette and then you know like i used to sit next to him he's reading or like you know doing whatever he's doing uh and then like you know he's playing the song and then you know uh but as i said like i don't even know a word of what they're saying in the music um but like he explained it and then I even asked him, you know, like after I grew up in my teenagers. So when he explained the music, I was like, you know, it kind of made sense because my dad kind of, you know, like separated from his mom like you know, at a very, very young age. So, yeah, you know, like I think, uh, you know, I kept that to my heart. And then, as I said, it kind of connects with what I am and then who I am, uh, you know, with the situation like being physically removed from quote unquote a home country. Right. So um, this this version, like you said, it's about parent and uh, child separation. Did that song, because of that reason, like because of the lyrics, also get an extra uh, mm-hmm. emotional layer when you when you move to the UK? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because uh, the weather in the UK doesn't help by itself. <laughs> it's very gloomy. It's very dark. So there's a lot of you know like um, you know emotional moments that you kind of vibe to and then also uh being removed physically from you know what you know uh, from the people that you are supposed to be with <laughs> uh, you know kind of have a different effect in addition to the weather that you live in um and then you know like of course there are other factors as well right so i mean that separation he talks about and then uh, he talks about you know how he misses his mother uh, you know like uh, wishing her well you know like she's wishing her kid is okay and you know thriving and living so like it's a lot of layers uh, that there is in that music like well a the melody and then also the lyric as you said so i kind of um became a fan of it i think i went back to that music after I grew up, I think. <laughs> so um, you mentioned that this song is in, um, uh, the, like the language is Oromo, if if, yeah. if I'm correct. And then the language you used to speak when you grew up was uh, Amharic. Is yes. that, um, so for those unaware, like there's a bunch of languages in Ethiopia, like uh, mm-hmm. there's so many local ones. Um, Oromo is like the biggest language with roughly 34% of the people uh, talking it there, speaking it there. Uh, Amharic mm-hmm. is the second with roughly 30%. And the following um, 30, 30, 36% is a bunch of local languages, uh, mm-hmm. Somali as well. Etc. Uh, yeah. et and and you know from there, it's um it's it's uh, it's a little bit of a puzzle uh, when it comes to uh, understanding the lyrics of of specific mm-hmm. songs. Um, mm-hmm. uh, how was how was your experience with that? Like, did you actively go out and listen to different uh, listen to songs in different languages? 
yeah, so I I think I was kind of quite lucky in that sense because you know like well I love music personally and my mom like you know, she loves music as well so you know we listen to anything and everything that we get in the house so that, like as you said in Ethiopia alone we have about like eighty different languages so as you said like you know Oromia um, so the Oromo population is like thirty four percent but in terms of people who are speaking the language I think Amharic is more spoken throughout Ethiopia because different ethnic groups also like speak the language uh, so like i think for that reason it's kind of you know predominantly uh, that's what we know or like that's what i know at least uh but yeah i had to ask every time uh because there's so many beautiful songs that come from different parts of the country and i was like i had to ask you know like a few catchphrases um uh, the beats are different because you know from when you go from the north to the south from the east to the west uh, the beat differs how we dance differs like it's just well diverse and then you know like that's one of the beauty of life and you know uh, you also have a podcast in amharic specifically as like a way to um use language as a form of uh, activism like can you uh can you tell a little bit about that <laughs> uh, I'm glad you brought that up because yes, so we chose to do that in Amharic for a reason. Um, there's the sentiment uh, people believe uh, it's an Ethiopian and African being queer is so, or you know, if you dare to say I'm gay, uh, I'm this, I'm that within the LGBT spectrum, they would again label you as someone who is a diaspora not, you know, someone who was like, you know, born and raised locally. So when we started the podcast, it was a conversation that we did because within House of Kuramaile, uh, the organization that we co-founded, uh, we have, you know, like well, uh, people who speak English as a first language, but we chose Amharic, as you said, for political resistance to make a statement to say, no, you know, like we are actually born and raised in that country until we got kicked out of the country. So... It has a different, it has a different effect on the audience because they kind of scared when they hear, you know, us being queer, being free, you know, laughing, sharing our emotions, you know, going through whatever it is that we're sharing in the local language, and then yeah, it has been beautiful. <laughs> and I'm also kind of wondering, like, if it's, um, I mean, obviously, me coming from like a Western European white perspective, is um, like it's it's. It also doesn't necessarily seem un-African to talk English, right? Because, you know, I know we colonized a, a bunch of countries, but with that, English did become like the first language for a lot of countries in that. So is that, uh, it, or I mean, I'm definitely being short-sighted, but what are your thoughts mm -hmm. on that? Uh, I mean, yes and no. <laughs> Uh, because, you know, like there are still countries that have their native language, whichever one they choose, uh, as a working language, as an administrative language for the country. So like Ethiopia being one. So Amharic and English is the working language. So, you know, like for that reason, like Amharic kind of takes, you know, dominance uh, in the narration uh, in the country. So if you are to speak and share... Uh, your experiences as a queer person in English or like, you know, in French or a different language. And when you do it in your local language, in the local language that they would not expect you to have words for 
vocabulary for story for like the effect is different right so yeah like they would still like you know of course argue you know saying oh it is an african of course like, this is a western thing you don't even have a language for it you know like that's going to be the challenge so we're trying to kind of break for that because we do not want to be reacting to the homophobes rather than we want to lead them to where we want them to be um how uh, difficult is it to to talk about it in Amharic? Like, do you, for example, have to come up with entirely new words or are there words already there? Oh, that's the tricky part. So we had to create or come up with different words because the words that exist within the language system are homophobic by themselves. You know, like, for example, the word they have is like, you know, bushti, which is, well, equivalent to a word in English, the faggot, right? So... There's a movement within the community, like, you know, they're trying to reclaim that bushti word and then, you know, redefine it. Like the same way, like, you know, the English speaking world used the word queer and then, you know, like reclaiming it again. Uh, you know, like there's that kind of thing. But like, as you said, we do not have many words in our language like to describe like the queer community. So we are coming up with different vocabularies, you know. So I'm sure like you know, there's going to be few words that will be incorporated to the language itself, <laughs> which yeah. people are trying to resist. But I think, you know, it's kind of sinking in. Like, for example, if you were to approach someone in a nightclub in Addis, and then if you don't know if they're gay or straight, what you will say is, what you will ask them is like, you know, are you Zega? So Zega necessarily uh, does not mean gay in, you know, like in the language presence. Zega is like citizen, if you were to just like, you know, directly translate it from Amharic. But like we use that word as a code word. We used to use it as a code word. It's not a code word anymore because it's out there. Uh, so like if you were to approach someone, you'd ask them, are you Zeka? So like, you know, in that sense, you know, we kind of, you know, taking a few words from them and then also like coming up with a new words of our own. So we're creating a vocabulary actually now. That's so amazing. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, among, I've talked to a lot of people, um, but I think you're the only one who is single-handedly, well, maybe not single-handedly, I don't know, inventing language for people to, to find themselves and claiming uh, claiming terms, uh, claiming the proper nomenclature, uh, if, if that's the right mm -hmm. word for it. Uh, uh, let's uh, get back into the music. A personal favorite of mine. I am so excited to play this one. <laughs> Here's Kiss by Prince.
fun fact about me. This yeah. is my go-to karaoke song. Oh, really? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's like it dead level of personal favorite. Um, it might not sound like it, but I yeah. can rock a nice falsetto, yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I see you, Hannah. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. Would I choose this song for 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 the podcast myself? I don't think I would. But you did. Why? Why Prince? Why Prince? Why not Prince? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Sorry, like I was introduced to Prince uh, by my friend Melat. Um, I think I was in my teenagers, and then I think now this is like me reflecting back. Okay, um, I think she figured out I was queer, but she didn't have a word. She didn't have a way to talk to me about it because I was not opening up. So she gave me. <laughs> prince's disc <laughs> and then we used to listen to him together she used to tell me like you know how she likes his makeup how he performs how he carries himself you know how he's owning his body like now reflecting back to it definitely that's what she was telling me she was like she was literally telling me about me <laughs> like, so like from then on but like prince like you know has been like, you know like number one in my heart <laughs> it was like yeah i i'm not entirely sure how to say it and i guess it also ties in with our conversation before there not being a specific word for things exactly but but, but then there's prince and it's like okay you know what I'm just gonna kind of code this person in. Yeah, I, I see. I see. I see what's going on here. Exactly. And then also, like, I think you know, like in our culture as well, like you know, we're not very confrontational kind of people. So you know, like, people try to you know disguise what they mean, like you know, with different things, and then they you know they come. So, but like, I wasn't ready at that moment, like, for me to talk. So I was like, yeah, I'll take Prince and then listen to that, and then you know, vibe with it. But yeah, we're not talking about this. You know, like I denied. <laughs> But from then on, anyway, like, you know, he's like, you know, he stayed in my heart. And then also, like, Kiss specifically, to be honest, I like it because I think it was like way ahead of its time, the music, because, uh, you know, how women are portrayed in this world, you know, like, well, you know, with the sexist uh, and then with the male gaze conversations and, you know, like infatuations and fascinations, let's say, uh, how they're portrayed in this world. And then on this music, he's practically saying, you know, like, well, you don't need to be anything special. You just be you. Right. So I think I found I know that kind of, you know, like a bit liberating. And then also like later on, I found out, I learned uh, that um, his video was directed by a woman. And I was like, oh, I'm paying him friends. So I was like, you got, you got it all. <laughs> all right. But, you know, um, aligning Prince with like a queer community also can be controversial because, you know, being a Jehovah's Witness and all and the, the necessarily homophobia that comes with that. How do you feel about that? Well, so, uh, well, I think we're talking about, like, you know, uh, someone being religious and then um, what, what what was the question, like, specifically? Well, you know, uh, a prince as androgynous and uh, as, as much as we would like to see him as a queer icon, like, the way he was back in the 80s after, like, mm -hmm. the turn of the millennium, uh, mm -hmm. like, a after 2000s, prince kind of became... Uh, a, a little bit homophobic, if 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 that's the right word for it. So you know, I feel like is this someone we should want? As, as like especially because he's you know, as far as we know, a a, a cis uh, a, a cis hat guy. Like, um, should we give him that much credit, even though he spent the last parts of his life uh, doing more damage than good in this sense? Well, <laughs> I mean, I think you know, well, that's a. Uh different outlook but like for me as i said for me uh 
how he came to my life, how I was introduced to him was like, you know, for a different reason. Right. So right. like for that reason, like, you know, he stayed with me. And then also, uh, I mean, you know, him as an individual and what he does and then how he does things. I like, I honestly did not, it's not something that I followed, let's say, uh, but like in that figure as well, at the same time, would I see someone as a role model or like as an idol to be, uh, of mine? I don't do that anyway, either way, uh, whether it's Prince or not, you know? So like, I think like in that, in that sense, it, it, I don't, but he's not someone like that, that broke my heart. Right. Because you know, like I did that, like, you know, in the past, you know, like with a few people, like, you know, I was like, oh my God, you know, like, well, they're this and this and this. And then they do some, you know, like substantially damaging things. And I'm like, oh my God, you know? So like, I don't do um, idols or like, I do not over identify or like, you know, relate myself to those. So I think in that sense, but yeah, uh, I mean, you know, people come with a lot of baggages and, you know, we need to be careful when we unpack and then what we talk about specifically uh, about anyone yeah no i'm 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 not i'm not trying to trying to kick pins down here or anything i'm just wanted to want to check if you're uh aware and and with that maybe have, share your thoughts on it and i if you are like yeah no i'm not going to read every article that could uh that, that comes out about about prince like that's power to you i mean it's uh sometimes you just gotta enjoy the music and let things be right so i mean the same thing that we learned about so i mean i grew up as an Ethiopian orthodox right so the you know like when you go to the church of course you know the priests you know like they say a lot of things and then i used to come home and then complain to my dad <laughs> and then both my mom and my dad actually uh, both of them they say to me i was like you know um, let's not forget they're humans you know like well, why are you following them just like you know listen to what you need to learn from you know the, the book that they're quoting that you're going for but like you know ignore the individual person and i was like okay so i think you know that's <laughs> maybe like how like kind of compartmentalize um, a lot of things. And then also like uh, where I come is like, you know, from a very, very homophobic country. So we don't have that many people, like, you know, the people that we think are not homophobic are homophobic in so many different ways again. So like, it's, you know, it's very hard. Um, yeah. yeah. Like even the people who you consider to be uh, like safe to be around, safe to be yourself mm -hmm. around uh, actually uh, appear to have like the internalized are, are still part of like this structurally homophobic system and you exactly. know, st stuff like that is hard to unlearn exactly how about your own queer experience uh, how do you experience gender uh, how do you um well hold on like well can that question be more clear well uh for example um if you uh specifically latch on to princess androgyny do you mm -hmm. recognize yourself in that um, I I don't know uh, how to define or how to put um, a name to it. But what I know about myself is it depends on the day that I wake up, how I dress, how I show up. Uh, it depends on the day. Like there are days, you know, like I wake up and then I'm like, I'm feeling all my feminine side. And then the things that I went to wear, like from like starting from my underwear, like, you know, it would be completely different. <laughs> like, you know, any other day would be boxes. And then that day, like, you know, it would be like, you know, something, I don't know, something different. So, but yeah, maybe like in that sense, like I can understand, you know, like I like to put eyeliner and then, you know, like my mascaras and whatnot, you know, like, well, like here and there. But I don't think... Well, maybe I didn't think of it much more than that. Yeah, it's just, you know, like I call it energy. I wake up and then, you know, like the energy that I felt on that day, whether it's, you know, the, you know, masculine, fluid or feminine, whatever it is, you know, like I just be that.
without having it, you know, to fight it technically. How how do you put your finger on like what energy you feel? Because you know, sometimes I wake up in the morning and mm. it's I don't even know what to feel or uh, or or how how to define anything. So you know, I I, I mean, obviously that's part of me being a gender, I guess, because I don't kind of feel anything about it. But how uh, how do you put a finger on what type of energy you're feeling? I think this is like you know, a question that I need to properly sit with uh, because I you know like I didn't think I pushed it to that far to understand uh, what is what I you know like as I said when I wake up you know whatever I'm feeling uh, like I just do so I <laughs> I don't think I thought about it that far right maybe I should maybe I should I might yeah. I'm just I'm just searching for gold here and you know sometimes you, you can't win the jackpot with every question right like maybe you've got some very deep interesting answers to, to come up with but sometimes you're um, I, mm. I, I bring up subjects no one has ever thought about and it's like why what, what am I even supposed to do with this like it's I'm not entirely sure if it's me asking the right questions or me asking the wrong questions because on one hand I might, you know, open. I might kick down a door with an unexpected question, where all of a sudden everything starts pouring out. Or, you know, in this case, I ask a question and it's like I'm not even sure what to do with this, so I'm just gonna put it here, right next to me. And gonna... yeah, but like, you know, honestly, like I'm genuinely glad that you asked, though, because uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, you know, how I decide. It's not something that I thought about. It's just like, you know, I wake up and then I was like, I, you know, like when, when I say like, you know, I feel my energy, like I feel my energy, like as in like, you know, I know the color that I want to wear. Like, remember what I said to you about storytelling when people like, you know, say to me, like, you know, all I see is pictures in my head. I think it's the same thing for me. Like, you know, when I feel those energies, like I know what color I want. Like, you know, it starts like, you know, from that color. And then I know how it would be, you know, like, or like you know when the wind touches my shirt or something i know how it would be flowing you know what i mean so like then i think i decide oh this shirt goes for that <laughs> okay see so now, now i feel like we're actually starting to unpack it a little bit which you know that's that's great that's fun which kind of tempts me to ask like a very very bland question <laughs> okay what's your favorite color oh <laughs> uh something uh well, okay i can't decide between the two but like something between yellow and mustard color all right yeah cool i guess that's an, that's a very clear answer like somewhere between yellow and mustard that's i feel like <laughs> mustard is yellow but there are the nuances and uh yeah like see that's why like you know, i cannot put my finger on it but like you know, somewhere along those lines even like you know remember like i sent you pictures for the podcast and then like yes. i'm sure like one of them would be that color of shirt <laughs> Yeah, the I mean, I'm you've got your camera off right now, so I'm actually looking at an icon of you know a person yeah. wearing a mustard yellow is <laughs> shirt. I mean, I guess it like it's a drawn version of you, right? What I'm looking at, so it's like yeah. yellow in the lighter bits and mustard where you know kind of what's kind of used to uh to to to, to draw some shade in. So I guess exactly. it works. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Um. How how to how to go from here. I'm kind of kind of stuck on 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 the prince thing um, oh. because you know that's obviously famous uh, favorite color purple. I wonder if that means anything. Ah, oh, the color purple. I don't know. I don't know. At this yeah. point, we're just kind of <laughs> grasping at straws a little bit. Um, one more thing that I kind of wanted to, what, what that I was wondering about. Do mm -hmm. you experience gender differently when you speak? 
different languages. For example, do you feel different types of energy when speaking English versus, you know, Amharic? Ooh, that's an interesting one. Oh, wow, Hannah, like, well, you're making my mind work today. Uh, this brain needs to think. Uh, I mean, I don't know. But I think in Amharic, um, everything is gendered. I think as is English, maybe. Uh, but also what we have in, in, in Amharic is uh, we have this, um, you know, like, you know how the French have vous for respect that they use? Yeah, like formal uh, formal versions. The formal versions. Like, well, we have that kind of a version, um, which now we are trying to adapt for gender queer people uh, of Ethiopian heritage. <laughs> I love that. Like everyone, <laughs> everyone gets informal, and we're just going to voila every every queer person that we come across. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, we have to go somewhere. <laughs> I mean, it's it's only appropriate, right? Show queer people the respect they deserve. hundred percent. Amen to that. Amen to that. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of queer people who deserve respect, here is Pink by Janelle Monet. Pink like the inside of your baby. Pink behind all of the doors. Crazy pink. Goes down. Maybe pink like the paradise found. Pink when you're blushing inside. Baby pink is the truth you can't hide. Maybe pink like the faults of your brain. Crazy pink as we all go insane. So here we are in the car. Leaving traces of us down a boulevard I wanna fall through the stars Getting lost in the dark is my favorite part Let's count the ways we could make this last forever Sunny, money, keep it funky Touch your top it, let it down To witness uh, this spectacle in real life myself, and by that I don't only mean Janelle Monae, but I also mean the 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 specific pink outfit that we're wearing in the music video. Oh, really? I, uh, I I was at a at a festival where I saw Janelle Monae, and they just kind of had that. I mean, she wasn't wearing the specific outfit on stage, but they did have it on display as some kind of museum exhibition, uh, which was you know impressive. But yeah, it's it's been a long time that someone brought a um, artist uh, to 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 the to the show that I've actually seen live before. So I'm excited that you picked Janelle Monae for today. But why did you select Janelle Monae as your best uh, concert experience? Oh, uh, a, it was a birthday gift. <laughs> Let's start with that, and then also uh, the person who gave me. Uh, that ticket who bought me that ticket was like my best friend uh who was also a co-founder of the house of grammaile um 
and then also I get to see Janelle Monet perform, and then not only that, I get to see Lupita Nyango on the stage dancing and you know slapping together both of them, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this is the best thing. <laughs> right, you expect to go see an amazing show, but then also like there is this un- unexpected little cherry on top. Oh, 100%. And then also, like, of course, the Twitter went mad within seconds while, we, you know, before we even left the concert. Like, Twitter was, like, you know, going insane. They're dating there together. You know, like, they're doing, like, a lot of things. That, yeah. It was it was one of, uh, I don't know, one of the best moments at a concert that I had. Yeah. It was really, like, she's very energetic. Like, she's a very, very amazing entertainer. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, everything was, like, you know, everything was grand. Like, really. So was this was this in was this in the UK or was this in Ethiopia? No, this was in London. Uh, I think 2009. No, 2000 2019 or 18. But it was in London. It was in London. I mean, it could have been 2019 and then, you know, we we would have seen Monet during the same tour. Oh yeah. What what, what did you see here? I mean, I saw her at a Down the Rabbit Hole festival in June, July 2019. Oh, okay. Okay. No, no, it's like, well, maybe, yeah, maybe it was the same tour. Yeah. Um. So what, what specifically was also like what I was, uh, what I was impressed by um, mm-hmm. during, during her show was like all of the outfit changes and, you know, it, it almost gives you like a movie type of uh, feel to it, you know, building different sets and all that. How, what are your thoughts on that as like a, a, a filmmaker? Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like the stage, the lighting, the sound, everything was amazing. And then also like the other thing that I actually said at the end of the concert was, I was like, how much energy does she have? Right. I mean, nonstop dancing, engaging with audiences. My God, I was like, what kind of energy you have? And then like, she's small, you know, she looks petite to me. Like, you know, when I was like looking, I was like, oh my God, where do you get this energy? Like, oh my God, it was, yeah. I mean, the production was amazing. Like, it was beautiful, as you said. I mean, the outfit change, um, how it was like, you know, I don't know how things were choreographed. And then when she did like the, the specific song, uh, she invited someone from uh, the audience Oh my God, that was another level of excitement. <laughs> like, yeah, she's more. She's very, very human. Like, she's very. She was very human on the stage. And you know, as 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 talented as she is, you know, also famously an actor. Do you or like also famously an actress? Um, mm-hmm. Even I mean, we've been saying she all this time. Like, didn't she update her pronouns a while ago? Uh, let's 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 ask Twitter, shall we? Yes, let's. <laughs> All right, no, it's it's both she and they. We're 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 good. We can use both. Okay, good. Okay, because um, you know the last thing I want to do is like you know offend Janelle Monet. Oh my God! Exactly. May 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 the gods have mercy on your soul. If oh yeah. oh my amen amen yes. Uh, but you know, as 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 we were saying, she's also famously an actress. Do you ha- also have like a favorite like film music moment? Of Jean like some 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 bit of cinema that you really admire her for. Uh, I think you know, like from the same album. Uh, oh, I'm trying to. What was the keyboard? What was that song? Uh, there was a video production that I genuinely loved. No, I can't think of it off the top of my head now. But like, there was definitely a production like that I enjoyed one of her videos. 
I think probably like well, no, it, it was before um, the last album that she did. Um, yeah, no, you you don't have to. It's it's fine. Uh, with with Genomine, obviously, you've got a huge production. Have you also been to concerts in uh, Ethiopia? And if so, like, what are the different experiences there? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, um, I work in entertainment. So, yes, I've been to different concerts when I was in Ethiopia. Um, but there are, like, you know, different music festivals that happen in Addis Ababa specifically. Uh, so there's one that is called Salam Music Festival, where they invite uh, big-time artists from different parts of the world to come perform with the A-list uh, musicians uh, in Ethiopia. I don't know, like, uh, the, the, the one difference that I would say I saw between... Um, well, when I was an artist and then here in London is, I don't know, maybe like the old tools, like, you know, like how grand it is, like how massive. And then the sound system, maybe uh, that can, I, like that I can say would be anything different. But apart from that, you know, when I was in Ethiopia, like I did have a chance to see Rihanna perform, wow. uh, Sean Paul perform, uh, Genuine <laughs> perform. <laughs> well, Beyonce was, uh, well, Beyonce performed in Addis, but like I, I, I wasn't, but yeah, like uh, we used to have like you know big big uh, productions and then uh, yeah concerts and artists. I mean, I bet apart from like the the artists that perform, like if you said the same A list artists as as they play in as, as they play in Western mm-hmm. Europe. So I wasn't necessarily looking for any differences in that aspect. Also, you know, I've I've uh, the build up. It would be the same roughly with like a stage and some 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 food trucks i was uh, i was more wondering like is there a difference in atmosphere maybe or the way different the different ways people uh people approach each other I'm, okay so like i think so like the one i went to here in london the o2 uh it's a sitting area like most of it and then like well you have the standing uh area so like in Addis, we don't have that most of the time so like it would be well they call it the vip area but like you know, there's that section but like apart from that like everybody would be like in you know, a majority of the people would be in one space. So it's easy to interact with people. And then also, like, you know, it's very easy to know who's coming to that space because and this is big at the same time. It's not because, you know, the click and then the people who would, A, who can, you know, like, well, afford to come to those concerts would be, like, a you know, um, of certain group. Yeah, so, like, in that sense, maybe, like, that might be different. Uh, but apart from that, like, honestly, like, I couldn't, see that much of a difference between what i saw here in london and then when i was in ethiopia i mean the people go wild i'm like they love music so right so if anything uh it would expose uh the the class differences a bit more but apart from that Mm. differences are like second to none yeah like honestly like I, i don't think i have anything that you know, like was outstandingly different from what I saw, what I experienced in London in comparison to Addis. Yeah, true. Yeah. No, I didn't. Once again, I don't know what I expected when I answered that question. I'm just, I'm, mm. I'm just guessing. So, um, uh, the one last thing that we hardly get to talk about, got to talk about is uh, House of Kuramale. I'm probably butchering that name. Um, oh, you did not. You did very, very well, actually. Thank you. I try my best. Uh, I, I want to give you some time to plug all of the work you do there because, you know, it's okay. uh, go ahead. What is it? What do you do there? And uh, wh- what is your main goal? Okay. So House of Uramaile is an organization that we set up here uh, in London. Uh, but we have co-founders that are based in Austria, that are based in the US, and then three of us are based here in the UK in different parts. Uh, the House of Uramaile is an advocacy group that 
is advocating for the rights and dignity of LGBT Ethiopians in Ethiopia and outside of Ethiopia. So we work with the diaspora community who are Ethiopian and and also like you know uh, within the country. But within the country, what we do is like you know we have uh, grassroots organizations that we collaborate with. So they will be doing the front work and then the outreach work. We will be doing anything that would require exposure, anything that would require visibility, because you know like security comes to play. At least, you know, we're physically protected where we are, so we do that. That's one aspect of what we do within House of Grammar LA. Uh, and then, like, what well, that's... Um, so within that, what we're trying to do is, like, you know, uh, get a policy change in Ethiopia in terms of health, because we do not have health access. Ethiopia is one of, if not the only, sub-Saharan African country that explicitly exclude LGBT community from the national health programs, both physical and mental health programs. So we're trying to change that. The other one that we do is uh, counter narratives. So the podcast being one, and then we have a YouTube video that we do, and then also Instagram live by inviting Ethiopians, Eritreans, Somalians, you know, any of the Horde of Africans. So in broader terms, House of Gramaitli is a platform for anyone from the Horn of Africa, but we advocate and then we amplify voices for Ethiopia because that's where we're from. That's the reality that we know. But we also collaborate with Eritreans and then we try to collaborate with uh, the Somali community as well. So we had we we do counter narratives and then uh, we started exciting project last year. We did our first Horn of Africa virtual pride which was amazing. So we had Ethiopians, Eritreans, Somalis come together to celebrate online. Uh, married couples were there, you know, like, you know, older uh, intergenerational conversation happened, religious people, you know, religious views, and then queer at the same time. Uh, we had those conversations. We talked about finances. You know, it was just like a wholesome kind of a conversation. We did not, again, focus on the homophobes. We did not, we, do, we don't do any program that that is reacting to the homophobes. We focus on celebrating and then being ourselves. Uh, that sounds like a, a whole lot, actually. What is what is your specific role in this? My specific role would be uh, currently I'm the co-director for House of Kramaile, and then also I lead the advocacy team. Um, the, the 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 Horn of African Virtual Pride. How did that uh, how did that come to be? Like, how do you connect with all of these different people in all of these different places, speaking all of these different languages? <laughs> uh, I think uh, that one of the things, one of the advantages that we have uh, in this time and age is the digital space to utilize. So I think within that we created connections. Within that we created what we call a family by choice. Within that, what we created is like, you know, um, concentrated uh, LGBT movements on digital platforms everywhere. So through that, it was easy then to kind of um, organize and then network with everyone. Again, a pandemic being, you know, uh, the one main thing why we had to go virtual. But I think it opened a lot of doors for us because, you know, most organizations that had shut their door for so many uh, and then created missed opportunities for so many people uh, over the years. Uh, they had to go online. So that way, you know, people do not have to apply for a visa to travel to countries. People do not have to require money to buy tickets to attend uh, events and things. So it was then that way. It was easier for us to coordinate ourselves and to be live on uh, Facebook for about like four hours, five hours, I think. What are like the most heartwarming moments from that uh that 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 digital 
pride like do you have some specific anecdotes that yeah. really that really made an, an impact on you oh my god yeah <laughs> a lot of things uh i mean as it as the program was going uh the messages that were coming to house of grammarly different platforms pages were like amazing i think that was the first time the homophobe gave up and then that was the first time ever i think the queer community from all the different parts of the world different timings um you know texting and then saying you know we are now seen we are visible we are represented we are happy like reading those messages was worth all the struggles that we had to go through four months of planning and then executing it and then i think at the last closing session uh however you know like emotional the moment was i think you know honoring uh the queer people that has you know that had lost their lives um because of the negligence of the health system in the country um you know uh, for self-harm and then you know different ways even their families don't know exactly why those kids you know uh, suddenly are not living anymore because that conversation of being queer uh, was never discussed so i think us calling them by the name they chose and then honoring them online with the people who know them uh, who had that experience with them was i think the most beautiful thing that we experienced it was so emotional it was so heavy but i think it was was everything do you have a specific song you associate with the entire uh, event uh, so the podcast is named after an <laughs> allen like a song called allen uh, i think that is the one that i kind of relate to that program i guess allen like allen means like you know uh, we exist that's what it means and i'm hike so we're saying allen not to the homophobes but uh, we're saying allen to the young queer people that are coming and then growing in that country who are told every day uh, queer people don't exist in ethiopia right so like what well, we're just telling them oh we're no no we're here we were here we will always be here so like i think for that reason uh, allen is the song that i kind of related in my head All right. Um I'm so impressed with all of the work that you do and uh I I hope uh you'll be able to help a lot more people in that way in the future. Before we wrap up, what are the last things you would like to say about uh Tesfe, the last song for this episode? Oh, that's from which prophet? <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Okay. So like, you know, the same way people see me, Gucci and then like other House of Grammarly people and others, and then they think, "Oh my God!" So, like, you know, you can actually be Ethiopian and then, you know, queer and then be visible. Uh, that was the moment that I felt like we were seen, and then we can actually have dreams. So, you know, like learning about which prophet online, reaching out to her, and then she came performed on the virtual pride that we organized. Amazing. And like that was just that was yeah that was just the uh, the best thing. And then on this video, uh, I mean everything feels home. Like literally everything feels home. You know everything feels home. So yeah, that's all I wanted to say. And then I wanted to shout out to which prophet. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the last track for today, Tesfe, which prophet? Before we uh, dive in, you know, a little bit of household messages. You can support this show financially through 
patreon.com slash queersense. If you don't have the means to do so, you can support this show by, you know, spreading the word, telling a friend, posting it on uh, twitter.com, where you can also find this podcast as at queersoundspod. You can use the same handle if you prefer using Instagram or Tumblr. And with that, I want to thank you, Bahru, for coming on the show. And I want to thank y'all again for listening. I am Head to toe, y'all love to see me. I'm shining.